Hi, my name is Donna Davenport, and this is my oldest daughter, Jacqueline, um, Jacqueline Mathis. Her husband is our associate pastor, and um, we have been at Calvary Chapel of the High Desert now for 34 years. Mm -hmm. I know that because I know how old she is, but I'm not going to tell you. Thank she, you. <laughs> she always rats me out. It's okay to give my age to everybody. That's no, right. Okay. That's right. I actually put it in here, but I, I won't Good say job. it. Good job. I'm okay? going to have to black it out. I won't so. say it. But let's start with a word of prayer, okay? <laughs> Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word that never returns void. I thank you, Lord, that you have a word to speak to these women. Lord, I thank you that you are the encourager, Lord, that you are the wonderful counselor, that you are the prince of peace, Lord. When we are in chaotic times in our life, that you are there just to settle us down. I thank you for the words that we've already received, Lord, from um, Bethany and from Michelle, but most importantly from you, Lord that you have spoken to us. And Lord, we pray that now you would prepare our hearts to receive what you have to speak to us even now. Encourage, correct, um, direct, Lord. Mm -hmm. We pray that you would have your way right now. And Lord, we just ask that both Jacqueline and myself would just be put aside and that you, Lord, would be front and center, that you would be glorified now and that women would be encouraged. And we ask these things in Jesus' name and everyone said, Amen. Amen. Well, I usually start my Bible studies or uh, workshops or whatever with an introduction. But in this case, I feel like I need to start with a disclaimer because, you know, I mean, yes, I'm a mom. I have five children. They're all grown. I have one daughter that's still in my home. This is my daughter, Janelle. She's my baby. And um, between Jacqueline and Janelle, there's 14 years. I have three boys now sandwiched in. I didn't, I didn't tell how old oh, she was yet, <laughs> so they'll have to do math anyhow. So, but anyhow, I have three boys sandwiched in the middle of them. And I thought when I was having these children that it was a good idea to space them out, you know, so that there wouldn't be two in diapers at any one time. But little did I realize that, you know, with 14 years difference, what happens is at one point I had Jacqueline and she was a cheerleader but not yet driving. And she was having cheerleading practice like in Hesperia. Then Janelle was 15 months old, I think, and I was still nursing her. The boys were on three different soccer teams because they were at such different ages that they couldn't be at the same soccer field. So I would drop her off, slow down just barely enough for Push her to jump apart. out and, you know, not run her over. And then I'd take off for Apple Valley. I'd go to the farthest distance of Apple Valley and I'd drop Jordan off where he was the oldest. I'd take him right to the coach say, I've got to go take the other boys to the other field. Take the other two boys to another field on the other part of Apple Valley. Jonathan would be at this end. Jordan would, I mean, Justin would be at this end. And I would nurse Janelle in the middle while they're practicing, kind of keeping an eye on both practices. Nurse Janelle. Then I'd go, okay, guys, I'm going to go get Jordan. So I'd put her back in her car seat, run back over to the other side of Apple Valley, pick up Jordan, where I would change her diaper while he's getting his last few things done put her back into the car, run back over just on time for all the other kids to be leaving, saying goodbye. My boys were usually the only ones left at the soccer field. And then I'd get them in the car, then we'd go and get Jacqueline, where she would usually be standing with arms folded going, you're late again, Mom, you know? So it wasn't exactly easy. But what I'm here to tell you is that, you know, whether you have, like Savannah, who's our worship leader's um, wife, has boom, 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 right in a row. Whether you have them right in a row or you have them spaced out, the Lord knows exactly what you can handle. And that I want to say that I actually lived through it, you know, and I am thankful that all five of my children are walking with the Lord at varying degrees, okay? Both Jacqueline and Chanel are involved in ministry. My son, Justin, is a worship leader at his church. And Jonathan and Jordan both love the Lord with all their heart. I'm praying for them to be a little bit more involved and really make the Lord their Lord and not just their Savior, you know. But all that to say that, you know, when I was in the midst of it, I went to this seminar that I thought was going to really encourage me. It was called More Hours in My Day. And though the woman that taught it was an amazing woman, and I love her, and she had great insights to give me. All it did to this perfectionist woman 
was to make me a little bit more overwhelmed because I thought, I have to do all this or I'm not a godly woman. And one of the things that it was, it was about, you know, having the picture perfect home, which when you have five kids at home, you can't have the picture perfect home, the picture of cleanliness or, you know, Martha Stewart home or whatever. And I was beating myself up to do it. And so I constantly felt like I was a failure as a mom and as a wife, as a pastor's wife. And often I would end up calling my husband and I would say, I'm such a failure, you know, because like I said, I'm a perfectionist, okay? But being a perfectionist does not mean by any means, as we've heard twice this morning or quite a few times this morning, that you know what? We're sinners. We're saved by grace. We're not perfect. We're never going to be perfect. But I have a definition of perfectionist. A perfectionist is someone who goes to great pains and then inflicts them on others. And that would be me, okay? And so, but I would call my husband up and I'd be like, these kids are being so disobedient and I just feel like I'm such a failure. And, da, 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 da. and he would remind me time and time again. He would say, Donna, there's one perfect parent and he has rebellious kids. And I hope that encourages you today because ladies... Only our God, our perfect Heavenly Father, is the perfect Father. And yet we're still rebellious, aren't we? And so when your kids, when you do what you feel like is, I did all the right things, and our kids are still failing, or they still are not doing what we think they should do as the pastor's kids. You know what? They're, they're sinners in need of a Savior. And so I want to just start out by encouraging you with that. That you know what, ladies, you were chosen by God to be your child's parent. Your husband was chosen by God. And so I can't give you a one-size-fits-all recipe for raising godly children in the ministry. But what I can do is giving, give you some godly principles. And so as quickly as we can, we want to give you four things, okay? And the first one is give them Jesus. The second one is give them the word. The third thing is give them grace and lots of love. And then the last thing will be give them opportunity. So Jacqueline and I are going to be kind of tag teaming this. And hopefully we'll get a more complete picture of how we can do this. But the first thing I want you to think about is how do you give them Jesus? Well, the very first thing that I thought of is that from the time that my kids were babies, I wanted them to understand that they needed Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So we give it to them in the gospel. And you know, what a precious privilege that we have. That as soon as the doctor or the midwife or whoever hands that baby into our arms, you know, we can begin to speak truth into those babies' lives. And I nursed all of my kids at least a year, and some of them up to two years, and one of them tried to go to three. <laughs> but I kicked him out of the bed because I said, you're the wrong child. I'm nursing another one. <laughs> that actually happened. <laughs> but anyhow, um, what you know, every time that I would nurse them, because I am such a type A personality, and I always have things that I got to get done, and I'm always like, oh, I got to do this, I got to do that. And I thought the only way I'm really going to enjoy these kids is to nurse them, and to nurse them as long as I can nurse them. And so I did, and every time I would be nursing my babies, I would be speaking the gospel to them. And I would tell them, you know what? You are a child that God created for his pleasure. He created you so that someday you will do the good works that he created for you before the foundations of the earth. I would be telling them scriptures as I'm nursing them. I would sing songs to them that would, you know, be the, the word of God. And so you have that whole time when they can't rebel and they can't say, uh-uh, that's not right, Mom. <laughs> no, you have all that time to be sharing with them um, Jesus and imparting them. And I was so thankful that Jacqueline, of course, being my oldest, was the first one. When she was four years old, we're driving along, and I'm just talking to her about Jesus. And I happen to have a little um, tract sitting there, and she's looking at it, and we're driving along. And she says, Mommy, what does this mean? And so 
bad mom that I was, I take the track and I, I read the first part while I'm driving, you know, or read it and just read it. And she goes, oh, you know, and it's basically that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And she's like, what does that mean? So we began to discuss it. What it meant is that, you know, when you do naughty things, Jackie, that's called sin. And that means that you're not pleasing Jesus. And I would explain to her those things. We went through this whole track, and at the end it says, is there anything that would prevent you from asking Jesus in your heart right now? I just read it to her, and I threw it on this, the, the chair next to me, you know? And, so she, and then she goes, no. And I go, no what? <laughs> I didn't even realize. I didn't even know at this point, you know? She goes, I want to ask Jesus in my heart, Mommy, right now. I'm like, oh, my goodness, I didn't even realize, you know. So I actually pulled the car over, and I prayed with her at that moment, and she accepted Jesus in her life. And I began to see her growing in the Lord from the time she was four years old. Now, there were times when she, you know, struggled in her walk, but I can honestly say I see the Lord's hand on her life from that moment on. Yeah, anything you want to share? No? No. <laughs> <laughs> not yet. Okay, not yet. Anyhow, so I want to tell you, you know, all four of my kids, I mean, five of my kids, I have five. All five of my kids accepted the Lord at the age of four. And now with Jacqueline, she, she started the process with me. But then I thought, you know what? I started seeing them have that hunger at that age. And so I would start to ask them questions like, Jordan, do you know that when you, you know, when you talked back to me like that, that that's a sin? And you know what that, the Bible says that all have sinned, that I have sinned and daddy sinned. We've all sinned and we fall short of the glory of God. But the free gift of God, God is eternal life, Jordan. And so that's how I started sharing the gospel with him. And with the next one, and with the next one, the next one, and all four of them at the age, or all five of them at the age of four, as Jesus into their heart. And some of them walked stronger with the Lord, and some of them struggled. As a matter of fact, my, my son Jordan, the second one, he went forward to accept the Lord like 12 times. Mm -hmm. <laughs> every time. Every time there was an altar call. Every time there was an altar call, he was going forward to accept the Lord because he knew what a sinner he was. And he knew how disobedient he had been. He knew what a, a crazy morning he had given to me that day and how I wanted to string us both up. You know, I'm like, if he's not going to die, then I'm going to die. Somebody's going to die today, right? And he knew that I felt like that. And so he'd be repenting. He'd go forward. Finally, about the 12th time, uh, my husband and I took him aside and said, Jordan, it's not how many times you go forward. It's how you walk with Jesus after. And that's when the next point that I want to come to is our example. You know, be an example to your kids that they need to understand that, you know, it's a struggle for mommy and daddy, too. Be vulnerable. I think that um, Bethany said that really well, and so did Michelle. Both of them talked about being vulnerable, being real with your kids, and letting them know, you know, I'm not perfect. One day when Jordan was grown up, um, he's now, I won't tell you because then you'll know how old she is, but <laughs> anyhow, Jordan's a man, and one day he came over and I, he asked me what I was doing. I said, I'm going to go for a run. He goes, I'm going to go for a run with you, which I'm thinking, oh, great, he's a lot younger. I'm going to be running really fast, but no, it was good. We were good, but anyhow, so we're running along and stuff, and he was telling me about one of his friends that was struggling in his walk with the Lord. And I said, you know, Jordan, what do you think the difference is? Because his parents are Christians, too, and raised him. He goes, you know what you, you and Dad always did, Mom? When you sinned, when you sinned, you told me, you know what, that was sin. And I'm sorry. Will you please forgive me? And I need to ask Jesus for forgiveness, too. You didn't present yourself like you were perfect, and I couldn't attain to it. So I always felt like I could come to you. And I could tell you when I was struggling, you know. And so I want to tell you guys, be real with your kids. Be an example to your kids. As we live lives of integrity and authenticity with our kids, 
we're gonna, they're going to see that we not only preach what we practice, but we practice what we preach, you know? That our lives are consistent in and out of the pulpit, you know, in church and at home. We are consistent. We are the same. The best sermon that each of us will ever preach to our children is to be a model to them of Jesus as we live our godly lives. Remember that Paul told the Corinthians in chapter 11, verse 1, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And, you know, the truth of the matter is we don't always imitate Christ. Like I said, you know, we fall short. We're going to sin. And that's when you say to your kids, you know what? I was not imitating Christ. So don't imitate that because that's not how you do it. When I discipline, um, if I discipline, I always, when we disciplined, obviously my kids are all grown now, but when we would discipline, we would always try to do it before we got angry. It was not because we were mad at them, but it was because, okay, you know the rules. You broke the rule. What's the consequence of the rule? Okay, I'll meet you upstairs. And that would give them time to think about it, and they would know the consequence that was coming. And then, secret to you, I had five kids, and I'm really scatterbrained, and sometimes I would forget why they were getting a spanking. <laughs> or you forget we were up there. No, I don't think I actually forgot they were up there. I just left them up there trying to remember what they were getting a spanking for. Oh, is that for. the secret? Now I know. <laughs> yes. But anyhow, so I'd go upstairs, and I would say to them, do you so know why do you know why you're getting a spanking? <laughs> because often I didn't. <laughs> and then I would make them tell me what it was. What was the infraction? Not only, you know, that it was displeasing to me, but how did it displease the Lord? You know, what, what principle in Scripture was that against? So they began to know the Word of God, you know, because I was telling them, you know what? You were, give me one, I'm trying to think. Well, let's say, for example, I'm trying to, I think I put one down. Okay, like Jordan, I remember one time I'm going to, I'm going to, Selfish. Rat him out. I'm going to rat him out. But yeah, he would be really, you know, oh, he's got my toy. Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, excuse me, but did you, were you playing with that toy before he was playing with that toy? And he's like, no. And I'm like, why do you want that toy? Because it's mine. Okay, but doesn't the Bible tell us that everything that we have belongs to the Lord, right? Because God owns everything. God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And you know what? He's only lent us everything. So you, that's just loaned to you. Who bought you that toy? Whether it was me, whether it was grandma, whatever. And who gave us the money to get it? It was Jesus, right? So we're supposed to be sharing. So you're being selfish. And so you need to share with your brother. Now, that wasn't necessarily a spanking and, you know, thing. It would just be a moment of teaching. Okay, so you're going to let your brother play with that because he was playing with it first, right? So we're going to teach him that. Now, there was another time I remember that Jordan actually stole something. He stole 10 bucks. And where, where's the $10 that was right here? All the kids, I don't know where it is. I don't know where it is. Well, somebody knows where the 10 bucks is, and we lined them all up, and it was like a court of law, you know? <laughs> and we said, okay, who would have... The time. Who would probably steal this? Who might have? We're going to, nobody would confess, right? And we said, well, you know what we're going to do? We're going to give you guys five minutes to find that money. We're going to see where that money is. And if you don't find it, then we're going to start spanking every one of you. And so, sure enough, Jordan went in and he told his little brother, I think it's, it's behind the door. And so, Jonathan, I found five dollars. I'm like, where'd you find the five dollars, John? I found it in the bathroom drawer behind the, you know, wherever it was. And I'm like, how did you think to look there, John? Jordan told me. <laughs> okay, Jordan, you know, in a court of law, you look pretty guilty. Where's the other five? So we found the other five. But that's, 
You know, so then we taught him, you know what? Not only did you sin, but now you're, you're trying to blame shift. You're trying to put it on someone else. And so then everybody left the room, and Jordan got the spanking. But he had to explain why he was getting the spanking. He knew that it was a sin to steal. He knew that it was a sin to blame shift. And so he's getting a spanking. Okay? So that's, we imitate. Um, as our children see us being like Christ, they, they will imitate us. In that, um, when it comes to ministry, that's kind of where I'm going to jump in because I was raised a pastor's kid, and now I am raising pastor's kids. And I will tell you it's raised, worse to raise pastor's grandkids because I'm doing that, and they get away with everything. It's like, this is ridiculous. The whole church has turned against me, and they all get spoiled. <laughs> but it is, um, so my husband and I have four little girls, and yes, it's crazy, and yes, there's a lot of emotions, and it's a little wild sometimes, but... Um, we thoroughly enjoy them. But what it is, is with giving them Jesus and with leading by example, we want to teach our kids that ministry is not just daddy's job. It's what we're called to as believers. Mm -hmm. And so this isn't just daddy's job. It's a family calling. But it's not just a family calling because daddy gets paid to do it. It's a family calling because we love Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so we want to explain that to our girls. And so we tell them that it doesn't matter if daddy gets paid to work at church or it doesn't matter if we work at, you know, or if we're just attending the church. This is what we are called to do as believers. And so that puts on a unified front for our family, right? We're united in this. We're doing this as a team. It also brings our kids into getting involved in the gospel and in the spreading of, you know, what God desires in our church body. And it makes them ready to share in church and in children's ministry. And our reach now as parents and as um, pastor and pastor's wife is further. Because now we're reaching into, we pour into our kids, and then our kids reach the little kids in children's church. I've talked to more moms and more parents that I would have never talked to if I didn't have my little girls in their class and explain to them, you're serving too. Mm -hmm. How can you serve? Mm -hmm. And so that would be, just in that part in giving them Jesus, that would be my encouragement to you. Um, Deuteronomy eleven nineteen right. is we talk about it all the time, right? The Bible tells us that we talk about it in the day and in the night as we walk and on our foreheads and on our hands. We put it everywhere, and we are always to use God's word to be a part of our lives. And so we need to teach our little our little ones. I say I was going to say our little girls, but you probably have both. But um, we need to teach our little ones that this isn't just a Sunday thing. Mm -hmm. This isn't just what we do on Sunday mornings. It's not just what Daddy does on Wednesday nights. It's not just, it's what we do as believers. Mm -hmm. So, Like in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, where it says that we are God's workmanship, mm -hmm. created in Christ Jesus for good works that he created beforehand for us to walk in. And so it's been exciting because, of course, my husband Dennis and I, um, we're first-generation Christians. We both accepted the Lord when we, I was 18 when I accepted the Lord, and I think he was like 21 when he accepted the Lord. We're seeing our kids do it better because now they've had the influence of us doing it wrong and then having to correct it and saying that's not right, and we're watching them actually do it much better than we did, and that's such a blessing. And now as um, Sandy McIntosh and and Mike have handed over to Bethany and Philip the church. Dennis and I are getting ready in the near future to hand it to Jacqueline and Chris. And it's been such a blessing to see that from the time, oh, Michelle wanted me to mention about nepotism, okay? And because both Michelle and I agree that kind of nepotism isn't a word that should go in the church because the truth of the matter is, as we look at the word of God, like we see Eli, the, the priest, and his sons were supposed to continue the ministry, but he didn't train them up properly. And so what happened was, by default, Samuel became the next prophet, the next priest of Israel, because Eli failed in doing the job that he was supposed to do, he was called to do to train his kids up. David also failed because he didn't correct his sons. And so because he didn't correct Absalom and because he didn't correct Adonijah, Adonijah they both ended up dying 
because he didn't correct his children. So we corrected our children, and sometimes we did it wrong. But now we're blessed to see that our kids do it a lot better than we do it, you know. Um, let's see. Then um, the next thing that we see is give your kids the word of God. Just as I was sharing before, that when you correct your kids, when you're disciplining your children, whether they're young or whether they're old, you know, you correct them with the word of God. My kids, whenever they would behave badly, we wouldn't just say, oh, you're being naughty. We would tell them, you're, you're sinning. That's sinful. And I started by calling it ugly, but then I began to call it foolishness. Because you want to use biblical terms when you're t correcting your kids. And you want to say, you know what? Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. But the rod of reproof will drive it far from you, you know? And we were not afraid to use the rod of reproof. But, for example, with um, our children as they've grown older, one of my sons, um, at one point, one of his friends was a Christian, called himself a Christian, and yet he was going to live with his girlfriend. And my son and I were having a discussion about it, and he said, Mom, you know, they, they really are committed to one another, and, um, you know, I think they've even, like, in the quietness of their, their own um, home, you know, they, they've said, we will be together forever. And I said, you know what, son? That's the culture of this world, to make you believe that that's okay. The Bible calls it lasciviousness, okay? So let's look up lasciviousness in Galatians chapter 5 right now together. This is my grown son. What does the word lascivious mean? And we look it up. It means without a license. Okay, they have no license to have sex right now. Even the state of California says it's against the law for you to have sex outside of marriage, even though they, you know, they don't enforce that law, but it's, it's still a law. But more importantly, the word of God says that. It's just, you know, we need to train our kids. Like when, when it comes with the, um, they're in the colleges and they have friends that are homosexuals. And they're going, but mom, they're like the nicest person in the world. And I don't, you know, I don't want to discourage them or whatever. You know what, son? You need to love them. You need to tell them that sin is sin and that their sin's no different than your sin when you lie or you cheat or you steal or you covet. Those sins are the same. Nevertheless, you can't act on those sins. It's not okay just because the state of California now says same-sex marriage is okay. God instituted marriage. And so we take them to the word of God and we show them in, in um, Genesis chapter 2, God is the one who ordained marriage. God is the one who created a woman and said, you know what? It is not good for man to be alone. We all know that, right? <laughs> he needs a helper. So I'm going to make a helper that's suitable for him. I make, I'm going to make Eve for him. I'm going to make a woman that is bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. And then Adam comes and says, she's perfect. This one fits me right, okay? My husband at one point called, no. <laughs> I mean, he called um, the computer place, but was it Mac? Yeah. Was a Mac computer. And he says, you know, I'm sorry, I can't use your, your product anymore. I really think Mac creates a great pro product, but I can't use it anymore because he goes, you guys are endorsing same-sex marriage. And he goes, even you would know that you can't put a female part with another female part. They don't go together. You can't put a male part with another male part. They don't go together. You guys know this. Microsoft, Microsoft works. Okay? But it doesn't work to have same-sex marriage. And we taught our children in the same way. You want to add to that? Um, no, I just think that with when it comes to correcting with God's word and kind of having your kids, what helps with that when you do, when you're in full-time ministry and your kids, one, they know the word. They should. And you're, there's going to be people who 
have a higher expectation on your kids because they're there. It's not because, let me clarify, it's not because they they have these high unrealistic expectations on your kids. It's actually because they have high expectations on you. Right. And that's why they have high expectations on your kids. And it's not necessarily expectations. They believe you to be a stronger believer. Mm -hmm. And so because they believe you to be a stronger believer, they believe your kids to be a stronger believer because they believe that it's constantly taught in your home. I actually had a friend who one time said, I was meeting with her, she was frustrated with her husband, and um, he, she had gotten saved earlier, he got saved, you know, years after she did, and so she was really excited about him becoming the leader in their home. And so she, uh, they had had a big argument, and I was talking to her, and I said, she, I said, well, is he not praying with the kids at night, or are they not, you know, is he not reinforcing scripture when they come to you with a problem? Like, what are you looking for him to do? She said, no, he's doing those things, and she's like, yeah, he's praying with them in the morning before they go to school, and blah, 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 and I looked at her, I said, okay, so what exactly is your thought of, do you think my dad just walked around and talked scripture to us all day? Mm -hmm. And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, no, I didn't. Like, it, we watched the Flintstones. I don't know. Like, it wasn't until problems came up, you know, or there was situations that was, we needed God's word that was brought. They have these unrealistic expectations of what goes on within our home. Mm -hmm. And so if we're correcting and giving our kids God's word, we're also, we're equipping them to kind of be ready for the attack that's going to come on them. And we're also equipping them to deal with the way that we deal with the situations when we come we'll talk about a little more with the grace give them grace but when it's when they have people that come against them mm -hmm. and they have people who maybe falsely accuse them or correctly accuse them or whatever we're telling them still but see here's the thing we're not measuring against what they're saying mm -hmm. we're measuring against what god's word says That's right. and so we we're not going just oh well this person told me that so now you're in trouble that's not what it is. It's did you do what God has called you to do? Are you being obedient to God's word mm -hmm. under mommy's care or under your teacher's care or under, you know, whoever's care that you're in at that moment in time? Are you exemplifying Christ? Mm -hmm. And so there's no changing if we correct them in God's word. Mm -hmm. There's no changing because of the situation or the matter or that this. That's the way we correct across the board. Mm -hmm. And so our kids can never come in and say, well, you don't only do that when it's church stuff. You know what I'm saying? You keep it very level. And you want to keep the playing field level for your kids. Mm -hmm. You want them to not be caught off guard by what people expect of them. And if we expect godliness and biblical things from them, mm -hmm. that what the church expects from them is really honestly the same. Yes, it's higher. And yes, we'll deal with that. And we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more. But it really is underlying. It is God's word that we need to hold them to. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. And I just want to say, you know, Standing up here with my daughter Jacqueline, I, I really agree with the Apostle uh, John when he said, you know, I have no greater joy than to see my children walking in truth, you know, and to see them even walking in truth better than me. Like I said, you know, there were times when I remember in ministry Sunday school teachers telling me something that my kids did, and I'm embarrassed because you know I'm first generation and I didn't I nobody taught me how to do this you know and I did it wrong often and I remember going okay you are in so much trouble because my your Sunday school teacher told me that da, 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 and I did it wrong mm -hmm. and then Jacqueline at I remember at one point Jacqueline said mommy I didn't do that mm -hmm. or you know and I really had to step back and and look and say, you know what, they have a higher expectation on my child. And I had to go back to that Sunday school teacher and say, you know, I appreciate that you're going to be real honest with me. I don't want you not to tell me if my child's being naughty, if my child's being sinful, if my child's being foolish. I want you to tell me those things, but I also want you to realize that my child is a child. And my child is a sinner just like everybody else in need of a savior, you know. And so I don't want you to have a higher expectation on them than you would have on anyone else. And so the next thing, go ahead. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So the third thing is that we're going to give them lots of grace and lots of love because there's always going to be people who are going to expect more of your kids. You know, there's going to be people that... You are living in a fishbowl. 
You know, people are watching you. They want to see how you do it because they assume that you are doing it right, you know, and sometimes we're not. But, you know, that's another thing. When we do it wrong in front of our congregation, we, we need to be vulnerable mm -hmm. and be willing to confess to them, I'm sorry, I didn't behave properly in this situation as well. But my kids always knew that there was nothing on the planet, on the face of this earth, that they could do to make God love them any less or any more because he loves them completely. And there's nothing that they could ever do that would keep me from loving them. I might love them a little less and I might love them a little more because I'm not perfect. And there were times, you know, there is one child in my home that liked to push my buttons a lot more than the others. And at one time he said to me, he goes, you don't like me as much as you like that one, you know. And the truth of the matter is I said, you know what, right now you're right, I don't. I don't like you because he's being easy and you're being really difficult. But I'm going to tell you I love you as much and I will always love you as much. I don't like you as much right now but I will always love you as much, and God, more importantly, God loves you. And that same, that same time when he grew up, he was the one who decided to have a baby before he got married, you know? <laughs> and so when he came to me, this, uh, my, my first child, if I only had Jacqueline, I would have thought that I should teach parenting classes all the time because she was practically perfect in every way, like Mary Poppins. And then I had my second child, and I suddenly realized that it's simply God's grace. And ladies, that's a, we need to fall on God's grace. You know, when we fail, we know that God's love covers a multitude of sins. And so as long as we are doing our best to give them Jesus and give them his word and give them his love and show his grace, then God's going to come back. And like that run that I had with my son Jordan, you're going to be blessed when they say, you know what, but you did this right, Mom. And they forget about all those things that you did wrong, you know. And I love to say, and I believe it's so true, I tell this to women often, you know what, as long as there's breath, there's hope. So don't give up. Your child may be 50 and not walking with Jesus. But you know what? My mom is 89 years old, and she is now calling upon the name of the Lord. And for years, she was, like, resistant to what I had to say because I was raised in a very religious home. I was raised in a Catholic home. And so my mom believed that her faith was everything. And I remember one time when I was young saying to my mom, Mom, when you tell me that Jesus is everything, that's when I'll have confidence in your salvation. She had no confidence in my salvation because I had left the Catholic Church. But now we have faith, we have confidence in each other's salvation because we both trust Jesus. You know, and, and I'm starting to see this in the last few years of my mom's life, you know, as she's 89 years old. And as long as there's breath, there's hope. Um you, again, are going to have people that expect too much of your kids, and, and really of you. And so I think that one of the best things we can do with our congregation is be vulnerable with them and be honest. Like she had said, when we tell them, you know, I didn't handle this correctly, or, you know, this, is, this isn't a good day, or this or whatever, I, sometimes I'll drop my kids off at class, and I'll say, you know what, today they're a little feisty. <laughs> so I'm just going to warn you. And I, here's the other thing. I don't know what kids in that classroom, it's their first time. But I know it's not my kids and it's not their last. Mm -hmm. And so I will tell the teacher, if my kid is being a problem or if you're having a hard time with another kid, you page me before you page their parents. Because I have a place where I can go, I can bring them in um, what we call our, our back room, our green room. I can go sit in my husband's office. I can ha have my mom take them one service so that I can sit in. I can do those things. Other people don't have that luxury. And so I need to be more aware of what it looks like when others are expecting too much. I need to be gracious to them. 
not just, oh, they should be gracious to me. Because again, we lead by example. Mm -hmm. And so if I'm giving them grace, and if my kids, if I'm giving my, even my kids grace and saying, you know, I'm really sorry. We had, my uh, oldest went through a biting phase. Mm-hmm. It was like a nightmare. Like the kid kept biting kids, and it was just like it was her means of like defense. She's like somebody who pushed her out of the way, and so she would just bite them. Like in fairness, she didn't just randomly bite them, but it was it was like defense. She was like, okay, well, I'll bite you. So she bit them, <laughs> and we like the kid got kicked out of Sunday school. Like we had to do like all the things. Like it was like one, you get you know you take them out one week, and then two, you take them out two, and then da, 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 all those things we had to do. And I remember being like, Mom, I can't do this. My kid is by And she's like, it's okay. And so she would take her sometimes and all the, and you know, all that good stuff. But I would go to the parents that she bit and I'd say, I am so sorry. Like, my kid is like really having an off day. We're going through a biting phase. If you have any wisdom for me, please give it to me. Like, yeah. do I put, you know, nail polish on your kid's fingers so she doesn't bite it? I don't know. <laughs> like, how do I do this? Because I don't know. So if you know, help me out, you know? Right. And I've had so many moms that have come up to me and they've been like, I had one, I have one mom, God bless her soul. The Lord gave her children later in age and she has one daughter and she is like, she prayed and prayed and prayed for that little girl, you know? And then this little girl has been quite the test, you know? It's like the potty training was nearly impossible. And so she would come to me and she'd be like, Jackie, I don't know. She's not positive. And she'd be so concerned and so frazzled and just so, and I looked at her and I said, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Riley was that way. Like my Riley would not, she didn't have time for the bathroom. That was more of what it is. It's like, that takes time. I want to play. I'm not going to go do that. And so I just shared with her, not even like, oh, do this and do this and do this. But I shared with her what my experience with potty training had been. It made me real to her. One, now she comes to me with everything. She's like, okay, Jackie, let me ask you this. Let me ask you that. Mm -hmm. So now I'm approachable to her. But also, she doesn't feel like she's a failure. And she knows that I'm not perfect either. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes we do these things together. Sometimes we figure it out together. That helps lower the expectations on you and your children if you're just real. Mm -hmm. Just be real. Be honest. Mm -hmm. But also... Don't be so vulnerable that you give them everything. Right. Because you people in your congregation are not meant to handle the responsibility that you bear. Mm-hmm. So it's one thing to be real with them about your kids. It's another thing to be real with them about the burdens that are going on in the church. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like there's a there's a fine line. So in that, find your people. Right. You have people at your church. Some of them cannot bear all we have people at our church and, and in that there are people who are helps to us. And just, they just come to us and they'll sign my kids in and out of class. They'll bring them to me. They'll do, you know, whatever it is so that I can do, I can go do signups for women's ministry or I can get stuck in the, in the courtyard talking because 90% of the time I go to get my kids and my poor kids are like, you forgot me. I'm like, I didn't. I actually left as soon as service was out, but I couldn't make it there without getting stopped three times. You Anybody know? else been there? I'm sure. Like, and, it's, and so it's one of those things where, I have people now who are like, you know, it's not a big deal. I can sign them out. Now, that doesn't mean I assume every single week they're going to sign out my kids or that they should sign out my kids or that they, this is part, but it's accepting the blessing of Mm -hmm. thank you so much. Mm -hmm. That would be super helpful. Thank you. I really appreciate that. We have another group of friends that are just really encouraging and they're there, whatever you need, whatever you need. They've literally served. The husband has served in junior high with us, in high school with us. He does sound, he's done sound when he needed to. He's done audio visual. He does like website design. He's in the back. He's in the front. He's in the everywhere. Wherever you need us, that's where we're at. And mm-hmm. so sometimes they come up to me and they're like, oh, you guys are leaving. Do you need us? Do you need us for anything? Is there anything we can do? And they take it on as a family. Talk mm-hmm. about getting your family involved. They take it on as a family. That's partly because we allowed them to come in as a family. Does that make sense? So like when we did junior high with them, the husband was the first one to sign up mm-hmm. and they had little kids. But when we would do our leadership meetings, we'd say, bring everybody. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't just like, oh, just the people who are serving. It's like family, let's do this thing. Mm-hmm. Like everybody in, yes, it's crazy. Yes, it's chaotic. But you know what? It helps give you people, people who mm-hmm. love you and support you because they know you care about their family. They care about yours. That's right. So I do want to go back. I started to say something about my son that had the baby out 
um, before he got married. He actually got married before the baby was born, but he came to us and he told us, and when he sat down, um, he was like, I have something to tell you. And I'm so glad, because I had my other grandson with me at the time, and I just put him down for a nap. And he said, I'm so glad that Elliot went down for a nap, because I, I need to tell you something. And I looked at him, I said, is Jessica pregnant? And he said, Mom, how'd you know? How'd you know? And I go, you know, God and I, were like this, you know? <laughs> and I said, hon, I wasn't born yesterday, okay? And um, I, you know, I recognize the fact that you've been living on your own for a while. You've been dating her for a while. You haven't been in fellowship for a while. And he goes to, but, but don't you trust me? And I go, hun, I go, I don't trust the flesh. And so I, I recognize that this could happen. He goes, well, I don't want you to be mad at her. I go, I'm not mad at her. I said, first of all, she's a baby Christian. She just accepted the Lord, and you're the best example of a Christian she's got, you know? And so I said, no, I'm not mad at her. And I said, you should have known better. I go, you do know better. That's why you're telling me like this. I said, but I want you to know this. Babies are always a gift from God, always. And thank you for telling me that you're having a baby and you didn't try to cover it with another sin. That would have been worse than the first and I have a beautiful grandson out of that, you know, and I love him dearly. And that will, I will never love him any less than I love any of my other grandchildren. And um, all that to say exactly what I was sharing before, that we will never love our kids any less because they have, quote, disappointed us. Because you know what? They can never disappoint God because God knows the end from the beginning, right? He knew what we were going to do. And you know what? We should have that same kind of attitude. You know what? We're sinners. And so really, I don't want you to sin. I want you to do well. But I'm not disappointed because I know what we are. And then, you know what? We don't have any time left, but we kind of talked about it a let little me, real let quick. Let me touch really quick. Yeah. I want to encourage you to give your kids opportunity to serve. Mm -hmm. Okay? So they're there all the time. Mm -hmm. Your kids if they're like mine, they're like Savannah's, they live at the church. If they're like I was, they're there all the time. I actually recognized this one time we went to, my husband was asked to teach at a friend's church. And every time I'd pick up my kids from our church, they wouldn't have shoes on. I'm like, why do you not have your shoes on? The floor is so gross. But they just take the shoes off. As soon as they get in class, they take the shoes off. We went to our friend's church. Immediately I thought, okay, they're not going to have shoes on. I'm going to pick them up. They're not going to have shoes on. I pick them up. They have their shoes on. And I looked at her and I said, did they keep their shoes on? And she goes, yeah. Like, I was crazy. And I'm like, oh, it's because they're not home. They're home. Okay? My church to my kids is home. Mm -hmm. My church, or our church, not just mine, but uh, it, is, it is home to my children. It is a safe place. Mm -hmm. They have family. They love it. And when I say family, I don't just mean my direct family. My, our, um, our secretary is Aunt Sarah. Like, mm -hmm. it's Aunt Sarah. That's who that is. It's Aunt Sarah. They love Aunt Sarah. Aunt Sarah prints some coloring pages. Like, it's, they have their own coloring crayons in Aunt Sarah's office. Like, mm -hmm. it's very, I'm telling you, it's very difficult raising these kids at the church because they're very, very spoiled. They get candy all the time. It's bad. But give them opportunities to serve. And I wanted to give you a couple examples of that. Um, my daughter, Riley, um, we, we can serve in prayer. Mm -hmm. And so she, one time, my husband was um, youth ministry for a long time. We were youth ministry for um, 17 years. Yes, we were babies when we started in youth ministry. People dropped their junior high kids off with us, and we were 16 and dating. Mm -hmm. What were you thinking? You just told them. No, you didn't. No, I didn't. Right. <laughs> but anyway, so they, we were babies, babies, babies. And, um, but we were in there for a long time, and so my husband would go do camps and that kind of thing. Well, sometimes... Most of the time we got to go to camp with them. If it was our camp or if he was there for a weekend or whatever, we would take the kids along. I know that's bananas. But we would load them up in the car and we would go. And that meant that I wasn't in a room with the girls. That meant that I had my own room. But my husband was not with me until the very, very end. He would now then, when he kind of established leadership, then he would come in with me and then just check on the rooms. But not until the very, very end was he with me. So you don't have that. I'm not saying that that's like this great golden Sometimes I'd bring somebody with me. My sister would come with me or I'd grab one of the high school girls. Okay. My mom went with me one time. So I'd bring, like, help so that I could still participate. And it would allow people, them, to serve too. 
because they're serving, helping me with the kids. And so there's just kind of this whole thing with serving. My kids were so mad when we weren't in junior high and high school ministry anymore because they couldn't go to camps. Like they were like, are you kidding me? We don't get to go to camp anymore. And I'm like, I'm sorry. <laughs> but to them, it was fun. And it was part of the ministry and it was a blessing. But there was one time that we, there, there was a few times we didn't get to go because Chris would just go up teach and then come home that night or whatever so my daughter Riley was not happy that daddy was going up without her to a camp and so we explained to her well daddy's just going to come right home afterwards you're going to be in bed it's going to be late and um I said you know what we can do we can pray we can pray for daddy's study and um, my husband said why don't you pray specifically that kids would get saved and so Riley prayed specifically that night on her own without my prompting that kids would get saved. I'm going to tell you, I'm trying to, I hate getting emotional. But the Lord answered her prayer. And 10 kids got saved that night. And you know what? The next morning, she got to rejoice in participating in ministry. Even though she wasn't present, the Lord used her in her little prayer, and he answered it. And so she got to see that. Another thing my kids get to do is we have hospitality on Sunday nights. And again, we do like, we have a lot of great people that surround us. And so they're very willing to be like, glove up kid and get over here. Mm -hmm. And so my kids will put on gloves. They're a little older now, so it's not as crazy, but they'll put on gloves and they'll hand out chips mm -hmm. and they'll hand out cookies and they'll hand out drinks or whatever it may be where they can help and they can serve. Um, my oldest is 11. She is very organized and she's very like crafty. I tell her she's gonna be a teacher. And so um, she went ahead and now third service, our, our third service of the day had a, kind of a need for children's ministry to help with um, crafts. And they said, Addie, why don't you do it? And she was like, okay. So her and her little friend, Sophia, they do the crafts together and they, mm -hmm. they come up with these crazy things that I'm like, really, like, you're gonna do that? But they totally do. None of this replaces them going to church, by the way. So I don't just let them run all over the church and serve because that's me teaching them a um, Martha complex and not a Mary. She, they need to do both. You need to serve, but you also need to sit. And so they have to be able to sit at the feet of Jesus. Mm -hmm. So um, those are just kind of a few quick examples mm -hmm. I want to encourage you with that you would allow your kids to serve, allow them to be a part of the ministry as much as you can. And, um, I, and just to say that, I mean, it's been such a blessing for me, as you can see, for my daughter to come alongside of me because I've allowed her to serve when she was young. And I, my daughter Janelle is serving in worship now, and she she's up there on Sunday mornings um, singing in worship. And my son Jonathan has been on our worship team before. So it's been a blessing. And as I started with, Michelle wanted me to touch on that nepotism thing. And it's not nepotism when they are the qualified ones to do it. You know, when you start putting someone in there that's not qualified to do it, that God hasn't called to do it that's when it becomes nepotism but when they're called by God and they're gifted by God you using them in your church is not wrong let's pray father I thank you for these women I thank you that they desire to raise up godly children to serve you because that's what our calling is Lord to serve you to bring you honor and glory I thank you for my kids that love you and I pray that we would continue Lord as your Coming is so soon, Lord. We know that the enemy of our soul just wants to take us out. And so, Lord, I thank you that you who've begun a good work in us is faithful to complete it. Mm -hmm. Complete that work that you've begun in these women's lives as well. In Jesus' precious name, amen. amen.